Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Well, thank you for listening to Revive the Drive. We hope that this can be an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk with Jesus. Today we're going to discuss the question of baptism. What is baptism? Why is it important? Is it necessary for a believer to be baptized? And and what is the meaning of that? Uh, Recently I had a friend uh, that came to talk to me, and he says, Pastor, I've decided to be baptized. Uh, He says, I've been convicted as I read the New Testament about baptism. And he says, frankly, I'm embarrassed, though. I've been a Christian. I've become a Christian years and years ago. And this time should have come much sooner than it has. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've become convinced that regardless of my embarrassment, I need to finally take the step of obedience to Christ to be baptized. Mm -hmm. I encouraged my friend that he was not alone in uh, his embarrassment, that there are many believers, people who have trusted in Jesus Christ, their Savior and as their Lord, who have not obeyed Christ yet in baptism. And yet, I also wanted to encourage him that the step he was taking was a very important one, that it was right to see that uh, past as being uh, disobedient to Jesus and to encourage him to continue to move forward in that and really to encourage other believers who are like him, that he's able to relate to some of their fears and some of their procrastination. Uh, Today, many think that baptism is something sort of optional to born-again Christians. Uh, There are baptized Christians and unbaptized Christians, and that's okay. And yet, uh, as we look into what the Bible says today about this important subject, we will develop different convictions about baptism. So we want to discuss why should we be baptized? Is it necessary for a follower of Jesus to be baptized? And Art, why don't you share with us some uh, biblical principles or truths about baptism that will help us begin thinking about those questions? Well, there are a lot of hot topics uh, when we talk about baptism, uh, age of baptism, uh, mode, uh, discussions like that. And I think many of them get ironed out when we go back to the Word of God, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's helpful, I believe, to know that the very word baptize is just a, a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, which really literally means to immerse. Mm. It was a word that was used in the clothing or dye industry, uh, and and when something was immersed into a dye, it emerged a different uh, fabric in a sense, a different color. And that was the word that was chosen to signify uh, the act of Christian baptism. And, and so, therefore, we would see baptism as uh, an immersion of the follower of Jesus Christ, the one who has professed to believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Great Commission was to go and make disciples, baptizing them, the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And that's a great commandment, isn't it, um, that God gave to us as we make disciples to baptize. But I, I'm, I'm curious then, you, you mentioned immersion as uh, part of the, 
the very basic understanding of baptism. Well, what about the other modes of baptism, uh, whether uh, it's uh, uh, through through uh, sprinkling, water or, balloon, or, or, <laughs> right, squirt gun, or pouring? I think uh, the water balloon and the squirt gun. Most churches may not. I'm from the many. south, so we have some <laughs> different traditions down there, but. So what do, <laughs> what do you think, though, about other modes of baptism, that is? Is immersion really the only way to be baptized? Well, when we compare the topic to what the Scriptures say, uh, one of the significant passages in God's Word is Romans chapter 6 that tells us what we are signifying when we baptize a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul says to us, Uh, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? And so baptism is picturing, it's symbolic of our having been immersed into the death of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. And immersion into water is the best uh, symbolism of that death, that being immersed and going under the water, we, we picture a death, and then coming out of the water, we picture being raised to a newness of life. Paul goes on to say, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And you, as you think about it, Scripture doesn't give us uh a prescription here. It doesn't say, okay, you need this many gallons of water per pound of person. You know, it doesn't say this is exactly what you have to do. But certainly, as you think about the theological significance of what baptism is supposed to represent, immersion seems to be what Scripture is describing. And also, as you look at examples of people being baptized in Scripture, you don't see any examples that that don't look like immersion. You know, Jesus goes down into the water. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch waits until they he and Philip find enough water in, in which for him to be baptized. And so certainly the spiritual meaning of baptism, the description in Scripture, all seem to presuppose immersion as the mode, as well as early, as well as, uh, early church practice and, and, and the, uh, even, even some of the, the contemporary Jewish practices of baptism uh, indicate immersion baptism. Yeah. And while we uh, we recognize that the Scripture doesn't give us a handbook for exactly the, the steps of, uh, of the method of baptism, we, we see it described as uh, a person coming up out of the water right. or going down into the water, and then we just see this, this uh, theological picture of its representative that leans us toward, toward immersing people in order for baptism. Um, what about infant baptism? Then you know that's also a little different category because it's not so much the mode that's being described there uh, as it is the condition of the person who's being baptized. Uh, among believers, there are differences uh, of of uh, methods for believers' baptism, but then there is a bigger divide between those who would believe in infant baptism and believers' baptism. Uh, talk about that for a moment, if you would. Art, Art and Daniel? Well, one of the things that we see in Scripture is that the gospel, uh, when it is believed upon, uh, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, issues forth in action. And uh, the steps of obedience in having been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and then following in obedience 
to be baptized as the Great Commission commands uh, keeps that relationship in the proper order. Uh, In other words, uh, when we baptize infants who have not had the ability or uh, the opportunity even to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we, we place action ahead of a belief. And, and, and I think that uh, that's certainly a sort of a logical argument, but we always, it's helpful for us to see that the gospel brings about obedience, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 5. And so there's this obedience that comes from faith, and the first and hopefully one of the earliest acts of obedience is to follow in the command to be baptized. And you you referenced Romans 6 before, and I, I do believe that's describing a spiritual baptism, but our physical baptism is a spirit as a as a supposed to be a picture of our spiritual baptism, and so if uh, to uh, baptize an infant fails to really capture the essence of what a baptism is supposed to to proclaim, uh, an infant can't be proclaiming their faith in Jesus Christ because it it's, it doesn't exist there yet, and yeah, that's right, and and an infant uh, the the whole aspect of entering into the new covenant uh, through faith in Jesus Christ is that you must be able to believe upon him, and, and we just cannot fathom how that would work with an infant. And, and therefore, uh, baptism is a demonstration that, hey, by faith I've entered into the new covenant with Jesus Christ, and I am following uh, with a symbol of that being the death and resurrection through baptism. You think about that Romans 6 passage, by the way, and a person says, okay, this is describing spiritual baptism and not not necessarily physical baptism, and a person might say the Apostle Paul, well, well, Paul, what about you know believers who haven't been baptized? How, what do you, how do you think he'd respond to that? Probably, <laughs> probably laugh at them a little bit or be perplexed that that reality would exist. Yeah, you know, in our earlier discussion, we talked about a believer who's not a part of the local church. It's, it's, very it's, it's something that isn't even imagined in the New Testament. You know that mm-hmm. that a person would proclaim Jesus as Lord and not be part of a local church, or that a person would proclaim Jesus as Lord and not be baptized. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't follow the, the, the commandment in the earliest sermons and acts is believe and, and be baptized. You know, it's, it's a commandment of God upon a believer's life. So we, we see this as a commandment of God, but on the other spectrum, side of the spectrum, while there's some who diminish its meaning and its importance, there, there are some who would say you have to be baptized in order to be a Christian. Uh, how would we respond to a person who says baptism is essential as part of the process of being accepted by God? Well, I think Scripture is clear in terms of how we enter into a right relationship with God. The, the gospel is very clear that it's through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 talks about how we are uh, saved not on the basis of, of any works, but it's uh, we're saved through through faith by God's, by God's grace. And so over and over again in Scripture, we see that the terms by which we can enter into a relationship with God, where we get into trouble, <laughs> those of us who who boldly proclaim that message at times, is to minimize then the importance of obedience after mm-hmm. having that relationship with God reconciled. And so it, it doesn't make sense for a person who said, who's come to the point where they've recognized their sin, they've, uh, repent, they're repenting, they're turning from that sin, recognizing that this, these actions that they 
you know, as Hebrews describes it, turning from these these empty works to faith in Jesus. As they're turning from these empty works into faith in Christ, it doesn't make sense for them simultaneously to say, "But you know, I I don't think I'm really going to be obedient in the area of baptism." It, it just it's it's a foreign concept in Scripture, and so a believer has the the responsibility to be obedient in being baptized. Yeah, and yet, and yet, not to add baptism as part of the conditions of the gospel in order to be accepted by Christ. Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's subsequent to that, and I I appreciate what the apostle Paul says in First Corinthians one, um, verse uh, verses sixteen and seventeen. He says, "Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I don't know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Drawing and the so distinction. He's drawing a distinction between the gospel, preaching the gospel and baptizing people. Yeah. Baptizing people is part of discipleship, not uh, not part of evangelism. So, um, uh, you know, while, while we again have some people who are very reluctant to mm-hmm. be baptized, uh, on the on the other side, we we have this push for baptism even before uh, there's a clear testimony of of faith faith. in Jesus. Mm. Um, You know, recently we had a a friend of ours who went to a church, and she said she uh, went to that church that day, not expecting anything to happen, but there was sort of an altar call for baptism. And it was a very emotional service, and she went and was baptized, and we had shared Christ with her earlier, and so she came to us and told us how happy she was to be baptized. And... uh, we asked, well, did anyone talk to you about your testimony of faith in Jesus? No, you know, they they didn't. And then when we started talking to her about her testimony of faith in Jesus, it was very clear to us that she really didn't understand the gospel at all yet. Yeah, that's And yet tragic. now she was sort of secure in I've her acceptance of God. Yeah. Right. So how do we how do we uh, avoid yeah. that and how do what do we say are the prerequisites? As we prepare people to be baptized, that uh, that uh, would would help us and them to affirm uh, the f- the truth that they've been born again. Well, obviously, we want to hear that that testimony. And I don't think we can expect it to be as as polished as perhaps a person who's been a believer for many many years. So we want to hear the testimony of their faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. But that then brings up a point that I, I'm sure you guys have struggled with as well in your family and other families in the church. What about your younger children? I have a both a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old who are asking me if, if they can be baptized. And Matthew 18 is very clear that it'd be better for me to have a big millstone fastened around my neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea than to cause one of the little ones who believe in Christ to stumble or to sin. And so I, on the one hand, we as parents don't want to uh, impede the spiritual growth of our children and prevent them from being baptized. And at the same time, we want to make sure that their profession of faith in Christ is, is genuine. And so I think as parents, we have to be very careful in helping our children when they ask if they can be baptized, not saying, no, you can't, <laughs> but saying, hey, here's some steps that we're going to go through as a family in the, on the road to baptism. We're going to, so for example, our family is going through Fundamentals of the Faith, that book that Grace Community Church puts out in order to, to see if they understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and helping a child or really anybody to yeah. get to the point where when we ask them, uh, you know, one of the questions I ask is sort of from our evangelism explosion. Yes. If you were to stand before God and he said, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell him? 
And, you know, I am listening for a gospel answer to that question. And if a person's not able to verbalize that, then we talk more about the gospel and uh, ultimately try to help them to be able to understand first and then to give words to their understanding. And, you know, with children, I, th- I think uh, we also want to uh, uh, consider their motivation, you know, behind that, whether they're really motivated. And I, I've, we've baptized children as young as five or six years old in, in the church, and, and I would do that again. Uh, but that's somewhat rare because it's rare to find a child where they, through their explanation, they're convincing me that they really love the Lord Jesus, and that's the only reason why they're doing this. Well, again, thanks for joining us as we have uh, been discussing baptism on Revive the Drive. We trust that these uh, messages have been encouragement to you. God bless you. Ah.